Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We'll begin at verse 57. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, beginning at verse 57, where Luke writes, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, meaning Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to a plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, again, we are so grateful for your love and grace and now for the opportunity to study your holy word together. And as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Three people have a conversation with Jesus about wanting to follow him. But what does it really mean to follow Jesus. We use that phrase, we talk about it often, but what does it actually mean to be a follower of Jesus? I mean, there were people in the crowd who followed Jesus because of what he taught. He's an amazing teacher. You might remember that Nicodemus came up to him and said, Rabbi, we know that you come from God. Teacher, we know you come from God. Some people follow Jesus because they love his teaching. Other people probably followed Jesus just out of curiosity. I mean, think about watching all the amazing things that that Jesus did would have been pretty incredible. You can imagine some of the conversations. Did you see when Jesus healed that little boy the other day? Did you see when Jesus did? Yes, it would have been interesting to have followed Jesus just as a spectator. Wonder what he'll do today. And then, were you here when he fed the 5,000? Wasn't that amazing? I mean, it was incredible when Jesus fed the 5,000. Actually, probably more like 15, maybe 20,000. Scripture says it was 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. That'll make you follow Jesus, just to be able to watch that kind of thing. Those kind of miracles are incredible. What does it mean to follow Jesus? In our world today, with our social media... Following somebody means something totally differently. I mean, we we can follow just about anybody. We talk about, I'm following so-and-so. I'm following this celebrity. I'm following that person. We can see what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're thinking about different kinds of things. But when we follow somebody on social media, do we really know them? I mean, odds are they're not following us back. It's probably not a genuine relationship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? 
And maybe we should wonder what are our motivations for following Jesus as well. Because, well, if you turn back in the scripture just a little while, same chapter, you can actually see where Jesus feeds the 5,000. John tells us that story in John chapter 6. John tells us that Jesus fed the 5,000 and, and there were fragments left over that they collected. And then we're told that the next day, the crowd follows Jesus again and he paused. And he looked at them and he said, Are you following me because you believe in me? Are you following me because you want to hear about the kingdom of God? Or are you really following me because I fed you yesterday, you ate all you wanted to eat, it was free, and now you're hungry again. Why are you following me? It's a great question. So three people have an encounter with Jesus in the scripture about following him. Now the first one is a volunteer. He actually comes up to Jesus saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. I imagine he was expecting Jesus to go, oh, that's awesome. Great, welcome, come on, be a part of this. Not exactly the answer that he got. I mean, we're told in the Gospels that Jesus has the ability to see right inside of our hearts. He's able to look right through what we're trying to present to Him and see what's really going on, what's really happening inside of us, what our motives are. If you read the Gospel of John in particular, John makes it clear that Jesus has this amazing ability to discern what's going on. Maybe that's what happened here. Someone said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus sees the person, but looks right into their heart, realizes, I don't think you're really all in. Not sure you know what you're really saying here. So Jesus tests it a little bit. Well, before you commit, foxes have holes. Birds of the air, they have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Still want to follow? What's interesting is Luke doesn't tell us. Did he go, absolutely, I want to follow you. I, I'm committed to you. Or did he go, yeah, it's a little more than I was ready for. And did he leave? We don't know. I think Luke may not have told us what happened so that we're left trying to figure out how would we have responded. How would you have responded? I mean, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Why are we following Jesus? The second one, Jesus actually speaks to. Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. And, and he says, well, first, let me go and bury my father. Now, that sounds like a very reasonable request. I should be able to go bury my father. After all, when you read the commandments... It's pretty clear in the commandments that we are to care for our families. As a matter of fact, if you look at the top ten commandments, we are to honor our father and our mother. There are four commandments that deal with how we love God. The remaining six deal with how we love each other. And the first one of how to love each other is to honor your father and your mother. Sounds like a reasonable request. Sounds like something that Jesus would have looked at him and said, oh, you are such a good son. Such a great son. 
The fact that you would want to honor your parents like that, that is awesome, but yet that's not what happened. You might have even thought Jesus would have said something to him like, oh, you need to do that. I lost my father when I was just a kid. It's believed that Joseph died sometime between the time Jesus was 12 years of age when he's left in the temple and when he begins his ministry at 30. That's the last time we hear about Joseph. We see Mary with Jesus all along the way, which would have been Jesus' responsibility as the oldest son to have taken care of his mom. Yeah, you need to go take care of your dad because I remember when I lost my dad. And I took care of my mom and I took care of my brothers and sisters. And yes, please go take care of your father. But yet, that wasn't the answer. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. That, that sounds pretty cold. That doesn't really sound Jesus-ish. Doesn't sound like the Jesus we really want to follow. So why would Jesus say something like that? I mean, again, maybe Jesus is trying to say to us, do you really want to follow me? Am I really your priority? Or is that just another but first? I want to follow you, but first. I mean, Jesus seems to have compassion in other places. If you just turn back in your Bibles a little bit more to Luke chapter 7, you'll find the story where Jesus encounters a widow in the town of Nain. He goes to this town, he goes to this village, and he witnesses people coming carrying a person who had died, a a young man who had died, and his mother is crying. A widow. Now what that means when you hear widow, especially in Luke, is that meant she would have been left destitute. She would have been considered incredibly poor. I mean, she lost her son. That's who would have taken care of her. It was a double tragedy that was going on. And Luke tells us, In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her. And he said, Do not weep. He raised her son from the dead. Now that's the Jesus we like. That's the Jesus we can relate to. Let the dead bury the dead. That doesn't sound like the same Jesus to me. About a year and a half ago, I was with my father when he died. It was one of those very sacred moments in my family's life. And I'll never forget it. After he passed away, even when the funeral home came, I said to my brothers, I want to help carry him out of the house because he always provided for us. I think that's what we do for him. And so my brothers and I, we were the ones who carried my dad out of the living room to the car that would take his body away. Loving your parents, caring for someone who died, I don't know that Jesus was actually meaning you can't do that. What was up with Jesus? Well, you have to remember that the people in Jesus' time probably knew the Old Testament much better than many of us do. We have a tendency to hang out in the Gospels and 
the New Testament. But if you turn back in the Old Testament to 1 Kings 19, you'll see the story where Elijah commissions or ordains Elisha to follow him. 1 Kings 19, verse 19, we read, So he set out from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were twelve yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him, threw his mantle over him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. Elijah said to him, Go back again for what I've done for you? And he returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, using the equipment from the oxen he boiled their flesh, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and to become his servant. Maybe Jesus knew they would know that story. Maybe there would be that this is important ministry. To place the cloak around someone else was to pass the mantle, to pass the baton, to pass the responsibility. But first let me, well, it's not that caring for family is not a great thing. It's one of the commandments. The but first is to be God and our relationship with God. Then there was the third and the final. He's, he's another volunteer. And we don't know, did this all happen at the same time? Did he hear what Jesus said to the others? And, and then come up and go, look, I'll follow you wherever you go. But first let me go home and say goodbye. Again, that would make sense. I mean, this is prior to the days of cell phones. You couldn't call Family, I'm following Jesus now. You won't see me again. Couldn't pull out the phone and text. Just let me go say bye. Seems logical. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not really fit for the kingdom. Now, I grew up out in the country, and I loved growing up there, and being out in the field was something that we would do, and taking care of the garden was something that we would do, and sometimes our job was to get on the tractor and to lay out the rows or, or to lay out things, and what we were always taught was you, you line up and you get a point out there somewhere, whether it's a tree or something that you look at, and then you put the tractor in gear, and you don't take your eyes off of it. You drive directly there, and when you get there and stop and look back, you'll have a perfectly straight row because you just kept your eyes in one direction. Now, if you have a tendency to be driving and looking back and driving and looking back, by the time you get to the end, your row is going to look something like this. So Jesus said, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is going to be fit for the kingdom because, well, what they're going to have behind them is a mess. Even now, I will tell you, I've been accused of being a little type A, and I will confess to that. It, when I get ready to mow my yard, there, if I'm mowing at this angle this week, there is a certain starting point, and there is a certain point that I am going to. I look at it because I love the straight lines in my yard. 
the next week when it's time to mow the opposite direction. So you get that nice little checkerboard look. I have another place that I start. Here's where I'm going. Straight line. Jesus put it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these other things will be added to you. It's not that they're irrelevant. They'll be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Why is he being so hard here? Well, if you actually study Luke and turn back again just a few verses from where we began in in Luke 9, he tells the disciples, the Son of Man is about to be handed over. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I am going to die. Jesus knew this is real. This is serious. This isn't pretend. I am about to die for you. It's going to be something that's incredibly painful and real. And it's, this is not time to play church. It's not time to play disciple or to pretend to be a follower. This is real. It's why in those verses just before what we read, Jesus said, actually, if anyone wants to come after me, let them take up their cross. And I love the way Luke puts it, different from the other Gospels, is every day. Let them take up their cross every day and follow me. You see, this cross is a reminder that God's love for us is real. And it cost God everything He had to love us, to forgive us, to provide for us. Did God put us first? I think the cross answers that question. And what this scripture is asking from us is that we put God first in our lives. There's a lot of casual Christianity in this world where we follow Jesus, kind of like following a celebrity. We pay attention to what they said and did, but not really a relationship. God is looking more, looking for more from you and from me. A real relationship where we will follow. Now, the temptation is... I I agree. I'll follow you, but first. I'll follow you, but first. And maybe as we go through this season of Lent and we're walking with Jesus toward the cross, a question we should ponder this week is, what is our but first that interferes with our following Jesus? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was an amazing theologian, wrote an incredible book, called The Cost of Discipleship, where he talks a lot about cheap grace. And Bonhoeffer says in his book, he said that only the one who believes is obedient, and only the one who is obedient believes. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go, but first... I think what God would love to hear from us is, I'll follow you, no buts. Will you pray with me?
God, we want to follow you and we want to be faithful. And it is so easy to put qualifiers on our discipleship. I want to follow you, but first, but only, just I need to, however, not quite. The good thing is you put no qualifiers on your love for us. You gave everything you had. You gave your only begotten son for us. You were willing to die for us. Now you call us to follow you, to be your disciples, not to be spectators, but to be in a relationship. So help us, we pray, to follow you. No buts. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.